Today on the show, we're talking about minimalism. Welcome to the Simple Money Solutions Podcast, where we focus on your money from a Canadian perspective. This podcast is produced weekly and released every Monday. Show notes for every episode can be found at livelifesimple.ca. Now let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to 2017. I'm Courtney, and as always, I'm here today with my co-host, Trevor, and we want to say welcome to the new year. This year is going to be a great year, we can already tell, and we are excited to bring you 52 more episodes this year to accompany our 22 from last year. So without further ado, today, to kick off the new year, we're talking about minimalism. This is this is a pretty fitting topic to talk about to launch us into the new year as it it really sets the tone off right. So as always, we have picked out a few articles that will, as always, digest afterwards. The first article we're reading today is called What is Minimalism by Joshua Becker. In his own words, I'm often asked the question, so what is minimalism anyway? It is a question that is received from all different angles, from people I've just met and from people I've known for many years. I typically answer it with a short, simple explanation. I'm intentionally trying to live with only the things I really need, but I always desire to answer more in depth. I always hope they will ask follow-up questions that allow me to explain the lifestyle further. And when they do, I like to add, minimalism is intentionality. It is marked by clarity, purpose, and intentionality. At its core, minimalism is the intentional promotion of the things we most value and the removal of everything that distracts us from it. It is a life that forces intentionality, and as a result, it forces improvements in almost all aspects of your life. Minimalism is freedom from the passion to possess. Modern culture has brought into the lie that the good life is found in accumulating things and possessing as much as possible. They believe that more is better and have inadvertently subscribed to the idea that happiness can be purchased at a department store. But they are wrong. Minimalism brings freedom from the all-consuming passion to possess. It steps off the treadmill of consumerism and dares to seek happiness somewhere else. It values relationships, experiences, and soul care. And in doing so, it finds life. Minimalism is freedom from modern mania. Our world lives at a feverish pace. We are too hurried, too rushed, and too stressed. We work long, passionate hours to pay the bills, but fall deeper into debt. We rush from one activity to another, even multitasking along the way, but never seem to get everything done. We remain in constant connection with others through our cell phones, but true life-changing relationships continue to elude us. Minimalism slows down life and frees us from this modern hysteria to live faster. It finds freedom to disengage. It seeks to keep only the essentials. It seeks to remove the frivolous and keep the significant. And in doing so, it values the intentional endeavors that add value to life. Minimalism is freedom from duplicity. Although nobody intentionally chooses it, most people live in duplicity. They live one life around their family, one life around their coworkers, and another around their neighbors. The lifestyle they have chosen requires them to portray a certain external image dependent upon their circumstances. They are tossed and turned by the most recent advertising campaign or the demands of their employer. On the other hand, a simple life is united and consistent. It has a learned lifestyle that is completely transferable, no matter the situation. It is the same life on Friday evening as it is on Sunday morning, as it is on Monday morning. It is reliable, dependable, and unfluctuating. It works in all circumstances. Minimalism is countercultural. We live in a world that idolizes celebrities. They are photographed for magazines, 
interviewed on the radio and recorded for television. Their lives are held up as a golden standard and are envied by many. People who live minimalist lives are not championed by the media in the same way. They don't fit into the consumer's culture that is promoted by corporations and politicians. Yet they live a life that is attractive and inviting. While most people are chasing after success, glamour, and fame, minimalism calls out to us with a smaller, quieter, calmer voice. It invites us to slow down, consume less, but enjoy more. And when we meet someone living with a simplified life, we often recognize that we have been chasing after all the wrong things all along. Minimalism is not external, but internal. Continuing on in Joshua Becker's words, in our first book, Simplify, we outline seven guiding principles to help anyone declutter their home and life. The principles outlined in the book have helped thousands find freedom by removing much of the physical clutter in their home. The book concentrates almost exclusively on the externals of life. And while it helps people find freedom from external clutter, it does not take the next step of helping people find freedom and the unity in their heart and soul. I have learned minimalism is always a matter of the heart. After the external clutter is removed, minimalism has a space to address the deepest heart issues and impact our relationships in life. A minimalist life is completely achievable. My family stands as living proof. We're just your typical family of four living in the suburbs, accumulating as much stuff as our income and credit cards would allow. Then we found minimalism. We've embraced an intentional lifestyle of living with less and will never go back to the way life was before. As we stand as living proof that minimalism is completely achievable and unique to anyone who seeks it. Typically, I find that those who are generally interested in knowing what minimalism is anyway and take the time to ask the follow-up questions are drawn to the principles of the lifestyle. After all, it offers almost everything our heart has been asking for all along. So that was an article again called What is Minimalism by Joshua Becker. Next article I'll be reading for you today is called What is Minimalism by The Minimalist. So in The Minimalist words, so what is this minimalist thing? It's quite simple. To be a minimalist, you must live with less than 100 things. You can't own a car or a home or a television. You can't have a career. You must live in exotic, hard to pronounce places all over the world. You must start a blog. You can't have children. And you must be a young white male from a privileged background. Okay, we're joking, obviously. But people who dismiss minimalism as some sort of fad usually mention any of the above restrictions as to why they could never be a minimalist. Minimalism isn't about any of those things, but it can help you accomplish them. If you desire to live with fewer material possessions, or not on a car or a television, or travel all over the world, then minimalism can lend a hand. But that's not the point. Minimalism is a tool that can assist you in finding freedom. Freedom from fear. Freedom from worry. Freedom from overwhelm. Freedom from guilt. Freedom from depression. Freedom from the trappings of the consumer culture we built our lives around. Real freedom. That doesn't mean there's anything inherently wrong with owning material possessions. Today's problem seems to be the meaning we assign to our stuff. We tend to give too much meaning to our things, often forsaking our health, our relationships, our passions, our personal growth, and our desire to contribute beyond ourselves. Want to own a car or a house? Great, have it. Want to raise a family and have a career? If these things are important to you, then that's wonderful. Minimalism simply allows you to make these decisions more consciously, more deliberately. There are plenty of successful minimalists who lead lead appreciably different lives. Our friend Leo Babato has a wife and six children. Joshua Becker has a career he enjoys, a family he loves, and a house and a car in a suburbia. 
Conversely, Colin Wright owns 51 things and travels all over the world. And Tammy Straubel and her husband live in a tiny house and are completely car-free. Even though each of these people are different, they all share two things in common. They are minimalists, and the minimalism has allowed them to pursue purpose-driven lives. But how can these people be so different yet still be minimalist? That brings us back to our original question. What is minimalism? If we had to sum it up in a single sentence, we would say minimalism is a tool to rid yourself of life's excess in favor of focusing on what's important so you can find happiness, fulfillment, and freedom. Minimalism has helped us eliminate our discontent, reclaim our time, live in the moment, pursue our passions, discover our missions, experience real freedom, create more, consume less, focus on our health, grow as individuals, contribute beyond ourselves, rid ourselves of excess stuff, and discover purpose in our lives. By incorporating minimalism into our lives, we've finally been able to find lasting happiness. And that's what we're looking for, isn't it? We all want to be happy. Minimalists search for happiness not through things, but through life itself. Thus, it's up to you to determine what is necessary and what is superfluous in your life. Through our essays, we intend to present to you of how to achieve a minimalist lifestyle without adhering to a strict code or an arbitrary set of rules. A word of warning, though, it isn't easy to take the first steps. But your journey towards minimalism gets much easier and more rewarding the further you go. The first steps often take radical changes in your mindset, actions, and habits. Fret not though, we want to help you. We documented our experiences so you can learn from our failures and successes, applying what we've learned to your own situation, assisting you in learning a more meaningful life. So again, that whole article was written by the minimalists and it is called What is Minimalism? And we will in our show notes have the links to all of the individuals that we that haven't mentioned within this article as we 100% really believe in, in in their take on minimalism. And in, in following this last sentence, we are now going to switch over and read the Minimalism Elevator Pitch, which is our, which is our last article for today's episode. So again, this is called Minimalism, an Elevator Pitch by the Minimalist. In the Minimalist words, while on the road, many folks ask us for a simple answer to a complex question. What is minimalism? It might seem surprising, but we're not fans of oversimplifying things. Unfortunately, we're appearing on dozens of five-minute media slots where we're often focused to give a condensed version of what minimalism is. Many people have asked us, what is your elevator pitch? Well, we've never had one until now. If it helps spread the message, then this is what minimalism is to us in a tidy, little, easy-to-digest soundbite. Minimalism is a lifestyle that helps people question what things add value to their lives. By clearing the clutter from life's path, we can all make room for the most important aspects of life. Health, friendships, passion, growth, and contribution. There are many flavors of minimalism. A 20-year-old single guy's minimalist lifestyle looks different from a 45-year-old mother's minimalist lifestyle. Even though everyone embraces minimalism differently, each path leads to the same place. A life with more time, more money, and more freedom to live a more meaningful life. Getting started is as simple as asking yourself one question. How might your life be better if you owned fewer material possessions? So again, that was by The Minimalist called Minimalism and Elevator Pitch. So, Trevor, can you, before we dive into these articles, what has been your inspiration for wanting to make this the first episode for Simple Money Solutions of 2017? Well, I think this is a really good topic to start the year off with because I think uh, me, like most people, the, the holiday season is is filled with overconsumption in many ways, in food, uh, spending, 
travel. I mean, we just end up overfilling our, our holiday season with, with more things to do than we have time. So I think minimalism is a way for our listeners to take a step back and maybe draw a line in the sand and, and maybe start a, a new beginning. So Trevor, has there been anything tangible that has taken place that has really sparked sparked your passion within this? Well, there's a, a, a the article you read, one of the articles you've read was by The Minimalist. And there's a website called theminimalist.com. And there's these two guys, Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus, and they call themselves The Minimalists as, as a team. And they recently put out a documentary called uh, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. And it's it just became available on Netflix. So it's, it's I'm, I, I don't know anybody who doesn't have Netflix, so it's it's available to see. It's, it's about an hour and a half, and it is just a... Uh, uh, a movie that took me by storm. I, I was, I bought in hook, line, and sinker. I mean, the the you can't argue with any of the points they make in that movie. I, I, we're we're doing it on our podcast. This is Simple Money Solutions, and so in an, if you think of personal finance, is there's two sides. There's the income, and then there's the spending side. And this minimalism really addresses the spending side of of your personal finance equation. And if you c- can focus on all the things you describe in those articles and live a, a minimalist or a somewhat minimalist lifestyle, you can reduce your expenses dramatically. Because we all know that spending is a bigger part of the equation than the income that one receives. We've talked about that numerous times. And and if you adopt these minimalist philosophies, it, it, it affects you exponentially in that if you acquire fewer things, you end up needing less space. So by acquiring fewer things, you're spending less money, obviously. And if you need less space to store those things, you, you obviously need a smaller house or a smaller place to live. So it, it's it's that kind of mindset that, that this thing just, the, the impact is, is, is like I say, it, it, it's exponentially Im- impactful. And some of the things they, they, uh, they talked about in the movie is the concept of, of a consumer-driven society, a, a com- compulsory consumption where we, we buy things because we think we are supposed to have them. And they really that they really hammer that point home in the movie. And when you see when when you see these compulsory consumption activities taking place from a spectator's perspective, and you you put you realize, oh my God, I've done that myself. You know, you you realize how crazy it looks when you're looking at it through the the, the lenses of a movie. So it is it is just uh, mind numbing. And another thing in that movie that really resonated with me was there was a a lady. She's a minimalist. Her name is Courtney Carver. And she started a thing called Project 333. Not everybody could do this. This is kind of extreme. But Project 333 is to own 33 articles of clothing and only use 33 articles of clothing for three months and in, in an effort to minimize your, your closet or your clothing. And if you can get through three months, then you could probably do it indefinitely. So when, when you see somebody minimizing just an, one aspect of their life, it doesn't have to be across the board. Uh, it, that kind of makes it available to everybody. Oh, definitely. And it makes it, I mean, seeing people, seeing a documentary about it really pushes the point home that yes, it's attainable. And, and one of the things the movie talks about is, is people are misled by the concept of minimalism. And the movie really hammer homes the point of what minimalism is not. So it's not about depriving oneself. It's not about going without. It's not about living in isolation. It's not about get ridding, getting rid of everything you own. It's not about having no possessions. It's not about limiting yourself. And it's not about not having luxuries. What it is about is that it's about focus. It's about keeping things that add value to your life specifically. 
and doing things intentionally and focusing on simplicity. So that's what minimalism is and is not. So if people think, you you almost have to see the movie. It's, it's, it's a must watch for anybody who wants to address the spending side of the personal finance equation. A hundred percent. And this movie really, it was a game changer for me. And I think, I think as someone my age, before you've actually acquired things, I think it's something you have to watch and you have to be open-minded to take in because it really is going to change the way that I I grow up and the way that I acquire things and the way that I spend money. So I definitely, I highly recommend to anyone my age, anyone younger, older, it's, it's whatever state. And that's what I like about this concept, Trevor, is that it doesn't matter what stage of life you are in. It's applicable. I mean, some people more say uh, something on mortgages. Not everyone is in the place where they're buying a house and will need a mortgage. But this concept, minimalism, is something that can be applied to varying severities to everybody's life regardless of where you are and that's what i love about this yeah it's very inclusive there's nobody who can't access this or or take on some aspect of it It, after watching the movie the very next day i was in my basement uh, getting rid of stuff i hadn't looked at in years and i actually made a trip to the dump with a bunch of stuff so it 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 had a direct instant impact on me so i highly recommend people watch this it is it's just uh, a game changer. Oh, I, I could not agree more. Trevor, before, I have some more questions for you, but I do want to, I, I want to talk about one concept in Joshua Becker's article that was, was very noteworthy and that modern culture has really encouraged us to accumulate things and possess as much as possible and that the definition of successful that has been defined for, for society is having things. I mean, he did in his article talked about celebrities, how you aspire to be a celebrity who has a lot of things, who have a big home. And it's it's kind of when you stand back and look at it, it it's kind of crazy. Well, we're always, as a generation, the only point of reference we typically have is the generation before us. And for me, the generation before me was baby boomers. And you want to talk consumption. This gen, that generation, uh, they were all about consumption. And, and uh, for, I guess for the most part, still are. But if that's the point of reference is always the generation ahead of you, it, that sort of dictates what you are supposed to have, what you're supposed to acquire, how you're supposed to live your life. And I think the millennial generation is changing that. They're not looking at the generation before them. And that's why a lot of times the, the generation X, who are the typically the, the parents of the, the millennials uh, seem frustrated. You read articles in the news, the millennials are unmotivated and I hear all sorts of negative comments. And I think this is a generation that's just not going to follow the generation before them, which is a good thing. Definitely. And I mean, with the with the with that generation being immersed in technology and immersed in n- new concepts like this, it, it definitely is becoming a more inclusive generation, which is so encouraging for things like minimalism. A lot of people will, you know, they say millennials, you know, they're always staring at their phones. But, you know, one way, a, a cell phone is, is a window to the world. You know, there's a lot of information in there. So they, they get, millennials get a lot of bad, a bad rap. But I really think that they may be the generation that turns things around. Oh, I definitely agree. Trevor, I do want to ask you, though, in Joshua Becker's article, he says, quote, we are too hurried, too rushed, and too stressed, end quote. And it says that minimalism slows down life. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. I'm obviously a hundred percent 
uh, a believer in in minimalism, but I'm that listener out there who is like, is minimalism even realistic? I mean, yes, I have a job. I have to get to the job and I have things to do. I'm, I, I'm a mother. I, I have to take care of my kids. How can I possibly slow down life? Well, one way is, I mean, if you're that person you described, if you're spending your spare time doing compulsory consumption at the mall every weekend, when you really could be spending some downtime with your family. I mean, there's an example where practicing minimalism would slow life down. So I, I guess like back to back to the minimalist first article about living in exotic places and, and doing yoga, like just stuff like that. So a minimalism does not have to be that extreme. It can be it can be more more mundane everyday things, but at a slower pace. Well, Courtney Carver's art, uh, Project 333 is a good example where you could just apply minimalism to one aspect of your life. So you could have a, a, a huge house and a, a, a high-end car and and go on exotic vacations, but only have 33 articles of closing. So, I mean, if, if, if just applying it to one aspect of your life, that's going to it's going to make a difference. That's that's a great example. I liked how I liked how you said that it doesn't have to be all. Like it doesn't have to be everything extreme. There's no extreme. It's whatever's best for that individual. Well, the the, the main thing I got out of this is living with intentionality. So you intentionally do things. You don't just do things because you've been programmed to do them. You do them because they are going to add value to your life. Definitely, um, Trevor. Another a quote that I really liked was, but I'm going to spin this back. Devil's advocate as well was that Joshua Becker said, quote, is the same life on Friday evening as it is Sunday morning, end quote. So some might say, well, that sounds kind of boring. Well, I think it, the, the problem is people feel, and I, I'm guilty of this too, they feel that when the weekend comes, they should be doing something far more exciting. And that usually involves additional consumption, excess consumption of you know, going out to restaurants or shopping or whatever. But if you kind of lived an even, constant, uh, low activity life, things would slow down uh, seven days a week, not just uh, on the weekend. And I'm going to I'm going to say that habit or, or or maybe mindless way of doing things is definitely formed in your in your former years. I mean, at this age, that's what you do on you go to school during the week. And on the weekends, that is where you you let loose and you have freedom and you and it always involves spending money. It always involves well, going out and and it's know, just, it, it's a lot. And you know, that roller coaster ride is what makes Monday morning so awful to go back to work for. Because you did so, so many exotic things on the weekend that going back to work is a, a, a huge culture shock. So if you lived a more steady, even keeled life, you wouldn't have these peaks and valleys. And again, it goes back to why are, why are individuals feeling that they need to go out on the weekends? Is it because all their friends are doing that? So they feel like Again, they in order to fit in, they have to do that. Or is it because maybe they aren't fulfilled by their job, so they have to they try to counteract that on the weekend? So I think it really involves like looking deep and and wondering why you're doing the things you're doing. Again, all back to intentionality. No, I agree 100. percent This next quote: People who live minimalist lives are not championed by the media in the same way that celebrities are. They don't fit into the consumerist culture. I love this idea in that. It's so true and that anything deviating from the norm is not accepted because it's it's not the norm. It's and and I think that again, like you said, the millennials will really shift this into a more positive direction. The media and when I say the media, I'm also talking about advertising. They are uh, luring in the, the, the masses in, into things, convincing them things they don't need. And I, I go back to Apple, it's a great it's the master of this. They 
how do they make my one-year-old iPhone seem like a brick? I mean, a useless piece of, of, of aluminum, only one year old. They, they are the masters of convincing me I need something. So what's the difference between the consumer that isn't easily convinced, just naturally, and the consumer that is very convinced? Where, where, what draws the distinction between those two people? Well, it's kind of a, it goes full circle. If you, if you stop paying attention to uh, mass media, you're going to, you won't even know when the new iPhone comes out, for instance. You know, you, if you just stay out of that circle of, of uh, advertising and, and marketing, I, I think if, if you can close that off and, and, and focus on, on things like reading books and, and, and whatnot, I, th- I think not having a temptation in front of you all the time, it might, might be the key to, to moving in that direction. Trevor, that statement reminds me of someone living without social media. So I do want to stop and talk about this because um, in the documentary, we'll talk about it um, later, but there's a documentary called Thrive With Less. It's on Vimeo and it is a group of six college students who take up the challenge for 30 days to have seven, implement seven things in which they minimize. And one of those seven things is um, get rid of social media. So how important do you feel this strategy is in minimalism? Well, I think it's huge because we know uh, Facebook and Twitter only show you the good sides of people's lives. They never show you the bad sides or the negative sides. So what you'll see on Facebook is uh, the fancy new things people have acquired. What they don't show you on Facebook is the drudgery of them going to work, uh, you know, Monday to Friday, nine to five, grinding it out every day. They're, they're never posting that on, on their Facebook account. So it's, you only see the one side of the equation ever. So I personally don't have any social media accounts. I recently, actually it's been a year. It's been a year last February that I ridden myself of all social media accounts. And it has been the most empowering move I have made. I got rid of them at that point because I just felt very overwhelmed with with all with everything that was uh, I was I was immersing myself in when I went to those social media platforms and it became too much. I was overwhelmed and I just I just needed some space from that. So I deactivated all my accounts and then later deleted them permanently. And this is something I feel like for my generation that it's like what like you have to have social media. Everyone has social media, so it was it was empowering. What about you, Trevor? What's what's your take on this? Yeah, I went through the same thing. I kind of got rid of my social media because I, I got tired of seeing um, all, all the only happy moments in everybody else's lives. But I just want to remind our listeners that we still do use our social media accounts associated with this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that's a great distinction is, yes, yeah, we do have social media for this, but I think it's the it's the purpose that you use it for. Exactly. So it, our it, social media accounts for this podcast are actually news aggregators. On our social media accounts, we follow the minimalists. We follow... Happiness Guru Gretchen Rubin. We follow Joshua Becker. We follow all of our favorite Dave Dave Ramsey. We follow all of our favorite people on there as a news aggregator to keep up with what's happening with things that are important to us and that we value. I think so, I think you summed it up. Facebook is and Twitter are the greatest news aggregators ever developed. Yeah. So so no way are we saying social media platforms do not have a space or a place. We're saying use them as you want to intend to use them for. And I think I think that's the most powerful way to approach them. So Trevor, I want to I want to actually talk about this last thing in Joshua Becker's article, which I found very interesting. It was uh, living in duplicity in that people go around living different different fa- I have different faces for everyone they interact with. Do you have this in your life? Yeah, I think I do. I so I work a corporate job and I I live sort of, I have to dress a certain way for that job and I have to 
portray myself as a certain way. But when I'm not at work, I'm a different person. And I, I hate living those two lives, but it's the nature of my, my job that I, I, I need to um, conduct myself as a certain way at, at work. But then I, I, I think I'm a minimalist at heart when I'm not working. Do you find it challenging to keep up those different faces, Trevor? Yeah, it can be exhausting. I mean, it, it's the transition that, that, that is exhausting. It's going, you know, the, changing your mindset from one to the other. It, it requires a, a mind shift. And I have an extremely short commute to work, so I have to be very efficient at my mind shift. <laughs> yeah, that makes it challenging. Um, so Trevor, this is really off topic, but I don't think I've asked you about this, but it just came to my mind because you're talking about work and your corporate job. I know you don't have a mortgage and you have low consumer debt. Does going to work every day feel any any different or do you have a different mindset that you take to work because you don't have these uh, responsibilities you have to fulfill? Well, I like to just preface that, that I have zero consumer debt. So I have no mortgage, no consumer debt. I have no debt of any kind. You know, it makes it a challenge to go to work every day when you don't have a... I, all I'm doing at this point is saving for retirement. It makes it, it makes it hard to go to work every day when you don't actually... I, I'm not quite there, but when you don't need the money, uh, working becomes a challenge, especially if you don't enjoy the work. No, that's definitely understandable, Trevor. So Trevor, we're going to now flip over to uh, the What is Minimalism? The Minimalist post. And one thing I wanted to take away from this was the idea of restrictions. And these they talk about this in dieting and when you eat things, but restrictions are never a good thing because it psychologically makes you want what you've restricted from your from yourself. So how can you create a life of minimalism where you don't feel restricted? Well, I think you you need to focus on on they they say this over and over, but you got to focus on what really is adding value to your life. So if you are if you have cable TV with you know all the channels and it costs you two hundred dollars a month, you gotta ask yourself how much value am I getting from that? Would I get more value from reading a book, you know, or would I get more value from from not watching TV at all? And when I say value, I'm talking not monetary value, but life value. So you really it's it's you have to repeatedly ask yourself the question: Is this adding value to my life? short term, long term at all. And if you make decisions by answering that question, I don't think you'll feel like you're you're restricting yourself at all. That's a really good example. I like that. I also want to preface that minimalism, again, there's not one solid definition. There is a definition so that you can attempt to understand what minimalism is, but there's no solid definition, which I really like because you can walk around saying, yes, I am in minimalism and your version of minimalism may look extremely different than the person beside you, but each version is all equally right. Well, I think one of the the things with minimalism that that really is the launch pad is focus. And I'll give you an example where focus would really cater to it is you probably don't have the finances or the time to be interested in ATVs, jet skis, skidoos, hunting, uh, international travel. If, if you could take your life and just apply focus to one of those areas or two of those areas, you would in essence become, would be applying minimalist principles by doing that. Focus, it allows you to commit resources, time and money to become more engaged in, in a particular activity than to be engaged just on the fringe of a whole bunch of activities. Again, it's the concept of quality over quantity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a good example. So moving over to our elevator pitch um, by The Minimalist, that, ar- that article, what I really think our listeners can take away from this is what would you tell others when they asked you why you're a minimalist? No, and I think that's a great article because it's very concise and to the point. For me, 
if if I were to say, you know, what makes me a minimalist or why do I think I'm a minimalist? It would be that I do things with intentionality. You know, I don't let life happen to me. I do things on purpose. And I, I think that that right there is so important. So Trevor, I do want to shift gears and I do have a few questions for you about minimalist and how it really relates to your life. So Trevor, how have you always been a minimalist? Oh, absolutely not. I've been a, a maximist for, for a good chunk of my life. I, I've just recently started started following uh, certain people on this topic and reading some books on it and adopting some of the philosophies and concepts. But if I, like I say, in, in my younger years, uh, my the only reference point I had for how to live and spend in my life was the generation before me. And unfortunately, those were the baby boomers who who tended to spend a lot of money and live in really big houses and and own multiple cars. And so I I've this is a recent venture for me. Do you believe you have to be a maximist before you're minimalist? You know, I kind of wrestle with that all the time, because if you if you were a minimalist from the beginning, is you know. I don't know that you have an appreciation for minimalism until you sort of cross the line and say, well, wait a minute, what am I doing here? And, and started dialing it back. I, I don't know that I could have embraced minimalism had I not. I guess, you know what, if, if you never became a maximist or, or a, a, a cons, you know, excess consumer, then you always were a minimalist and you'd never really give it a second thought. Does the amount of income one one has influences the ability or the extent to which they can be a minimalist? Well, it absolutely takes a lot more self-restraint for somebody with a higher level of income to practice minimalism because obviously you have uh, more resources at your disposal to buy things that maybe you don't need and you can afford to make mistakes. Whereas at a lower income level, you might be a minimalist just based on that alone. At this point in your life right now, Trevor, would you call yourself a minimalist? I would call myself somebody on the fringe of minimalism and moving more and more in that direction. Uh, and I, I don't know if it's an age thing or uh, society things, but it seems that, and, and maybe this global economy, everything's made in China and it's it's cheaper than it ever was. We seem to be in a very disposable society. So I, I would say I am on the, the cusp of, of becoming a minimalist or moving in that direction. Do you think if you would have succeeded as a minimalist, if you grew up in a different generation, either one forward or one backwards? Well, if I look at my grandfather, he was a minimalist to the core. And if that would have been my, the reference point I had, I, I may have grown up saying, and maybe this is where the baby boomers got it from, saying, you know, I'm not going to live this deprived life when I get older. You know, so I don't think it would, it, it could have had the opposite effect on me. So I, I don't know how that would have played out. But I know my grandfather was a minimalist and his children, they weren't. And they maybe they were rebelling against the deprivation they were feeling as kids. I, I don't know. Do you think that cycle would happen, get, happen again if uh, my generation really embraced minimalism? Do you think my kids would feel feel the opposite like the baby boomers did? You know, it really depends how you as a parent sell the, the concepts and your philosophies of life to your children. If you just say, no, you can't have this, and you don't explain why they can't have it or why why we aren't doing these excessive things, then I think they probably would rebel and, and become a, a, a more of a consumer-driven generation. But if you are actually explain, this is why we don't have a great big house and this is why we don't have uh, more things than we actually can use, they, they might grow to appreciate it. Do you think it is easier to be a minimalist as a, as a single individual or maybe just a couple than it is with a family? Or, or do each pose its own challenges that you can overcome? It's absolutely easiest as a single person, without question, because you don't have to 
get buy-in from somebody else to, you know, it, there's there's a lots of room for disagreement on what, what is a minimalism and what isn't. And like this article say, everybody, it's unique to each person. So the more people you add to the mix, the more complicated and difficult it gets. So I think with a family, it becomes really, really more challenging. Not saying it can't be done, but because there's examples in these articles where, where they are doing it. But I think it, it'll take a lot more determination to pull it off with a family. And do you think any personalities are more apt to being naturally more minimalist or will have an easier transition in being minimalist than others? An introvert is probably going to have more success or it'll come easier to them than an extrovert who just, just by nature, just personality driven, I think absolutely. And I know you did recently just talk about how you have cleared out your basement, threw stuff away, donated some other stuff. What other tangible things have you done or maybe not tangible because they do talk about the internal and external aspects of becoming a minimalist but what have you tangibly done in uh towards your path towards becoming a minimalist well one of the things is like it it says in the article it's not about getting rid of stuff although that i did do that part of it is shutting off the tap and stop acquiring things that you don't need and so i'm I'm starting to look at things and saying rather than getting rid of something because it's old I, i will get rid of something because it is no longer useful when i look at my possessions and I say, is there any usefulness there? It may be old, but it's still useful. That's no reason to get rid of it. But the other part is shutting off the tap and stop stop acquiring things you don't need. So those are the two things I've really focused on. With the shift towards um, cheaper production in China and, uh, and other countries like that, was your generation just as focused on dispose, disposability or, or did, did your generation repurpose things more often than ours did? Well, I I remember watching my father fix a toaster in a kettle, and now I can buy a toaster for twenty dollars, a kettle for ten. Why would I even fix them? So the so my I watched my generation before me actually repair and and sort of re reuse things and 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 not dispose. So the global economy and everything made in China really started with my generation, and it just you can't get things fixed. Small countertop appliances, I mean they they are disp- it's it, they're disposable. Not because of their low cost, but a lot of them, they, they can't be even taken apart to be repaired. So would you recommend then at this, depending, I guess, depending, depending on it was, just rebuy, but make sure to throw the old one out then? Oh, yeah. You don't want to keep stuff around that, you, that you're not using. But I, I think I when I buy stuff now, I, I kind of look at it and say, first, can I buy it used? So that that would save me by, you know something going to landfill. And also I'll I'll look at it and say, could this item be repaired if something went wrong with it? So when when I'm shopping, I may pay a premium for something knowing that, you know, if if the cord in this toaster did uh, go on me, I could replace it because, you know, I can see where I can take this thing apart. And so it changes the way, you know, when I I shop for something, I'm looking for something different than I used to. Would you say minimalism is inherently challenging? Is it easy when you get your head into it? Is it a constant thing that you always have to be aware of in that you're in that mindset of, or does it just become a part of you? No, I, well, right now, like I say, I'm at the infancy of it. And it's, a, I have to constant reminder. And my wife is constantly reminding me too. Do you really need that? Or, you know, are you just letting this happen? Or are we doing this intentionally? So it, it helps to have somebody on in, you know, a team working on it. So you can sort of uh, feed off each other. How would you recommend to others who maybe are getting on board but but want to suggest the idea to friends or family or their spouse? How do you how do you bring up that that conversation? Well, one thing they had in this documentary you watched was if if you if minimalism truly agrees with you and your temperament changes and you seem like a more content, happy person, people are gonna wanna know 
what's changed in your life that, that you've become this, this upbeat, happier, more content person? People are going to want that. So I don't think you need to push it on people. If you're truly living in it and it's truly agreeing with you, people are going to ask you questions, you know, and maybe want to get to the place that you're at. And I do want to stress, though, it just just the aspect of minimalism that popped back into my head that getting rid of everything you own and only having five possessions, that is not the definition of minimalism. You you might be you might be so unhappy getting rid of everything because that that meant that the things you got rid of were things of value to you. So it, it, that's, again, why we say that minimalism is so universal and that things of value to you might not be the same things that someone else values. So we've assembled a list of resources. So our first list is experts on minimalism. So the first is The Minimalist. Yeah, so The Minimalists are uh, two guys, Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. These are the guys that did that documentary we talked about. There are two single guys. They had high-paying corporate jobs that they quit to focus on minimalism, and they've wrote a bunch of books. Uh, these are the guys I follow the most or the closest, or they resonate the most with me. And they were really my first introduction to minimalism was, was these guys. And uh, they've been doing it for, I'm going to say, about five years. They've been blogging and writing books and whatnot. So this, these, are, these are my go-to guys on minimalism. The next is Becoming Minimalist. So this is Joshua Becker. He wrote one of the articles we, we featured in the show and uh, he's a, a, a guy, he's got a family, he's got a job, um, he writes books, and again, we're gonna, we'll go into some of those. He's, he's what I consider your everyday minimalist, the average guy on the street, and anybody in the family would be able to relate to this guy. Be more with less. So this is Courtney Carver. I don't know that she has a family. Hers is more, I'm going to say, female-focused, which is important, because uh, the other two, there, there seems to be a a lot of men in this particular genre. So she focuses on a, a lot of women-related things. I'll say fashion and clothes and, and maybe a kitchen. And I hate to be sexist and, and say that men aren't interested in that. But when I, I, I do enjoy reading her stuff, uh, even though I, I'm a male. But I she's also wrote a couple books. I, she's very inspirational. I, I, I enjoy her writing. The next is zenhabits.net. So this is Leo Babauta. He has six kids and he's a minimalist. That sounds crazy, but he is. He's wrote a few books. Uh, his is kind of more of a spiritual aspect of minimalism, but I still really find a lot of uh, inspiration in his writing. And the last is exilelifestyle.com. So this is Colin Wright. This is a guy that owns 50 things. He travels the world. Uh, he's a, an extreme minimalist. Uh, I find his stuff entertaining to read in that, you know, this is an extreme version of it. And I, I kind of, you know, what would that be like? Uh, it's entertaining. It's probably not something, a lot of the things I'm not, I, I'm not going to do that he does. But if you're interested, it's, it's, it's interesting reading. And last but not least, Reddit has tons of, uh, of great content on there from it, other fellow minimalists. Yeah. So if anybody's familiar with Reddit, there's things called subreddits and they're like uh, specific forms. So there's a minimalism subreddit that has a lot of activity, a lot of users. You can you write a question, you know, anyone try to minimalize, I don't know, a closet and people will write back with, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, you know, suggestions and recommendations. So there's a good community on Reddit for minimalism. So we've also put together a list of podcasts on minimalism. We're obviously a huge fan of podcasts, so I'll just list them off, and then we'll have them in the show notes so you can go check them out. The first is The Minimalist, which is uh, by Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. The next is Minimalism for the Rest of Us, Zen Habits Radio, 
which is by Leo Babata, and Functioning Minimalist. So those are just a few. Let us know if you find any more. We're always we're always looking for more minimalist content. The next is documentaries. Yeah, so the one is obviously the one we talked about at the beginning of the show, Minimalism, a documentary about the important things. That's by the theminimalist.com. It's on Netflix. It is very inspirational. I highly recommend watching it. I've watched it a couple times and I got something out of it the second time I watched it that I didn't the first time. It's well done, very entertaining. So I, I highly recommend it. And there's another one we watched. This is when Courtney talked about earlier. It's a documentary called Thrive With Less. It's on Vimeo, which is available on a lot of platforms. You can get it on your iPhone, your Apple TV. It's, it's available on anywhere. And it's free. It doesn't cost anything. And it's a, a group of university students that did a one-month trial on minimalism. And they picked five aspects of their life that they would minimalize. And it shows them, and it's pretty interesting. I, I found it uh, pretty good. I think it would be more inspirational to somebody uh, of a younger generation, but I, I still found it interesting. And we also put together a list of books and TED Talks that we found on YouTube, both incredible resource list. So, um, so I've read most of these books and I highly recommend them. So I, I just want to say that these are well-written which is important to me when I read a book. Some books that are, you know, a struggle to get through each chapter. These ones just flow. So our, our book list, we have writings by The Minimalist, Joshua Becker, Courtney Carver, all in there. We'll have that entire list and our show notes so you can just go check them out. We'll have the links there. And as well for, as our TED Talks, TED Talks are incredible resources. Um, TEDx Talks, which is, if you've never heard of them, they different different cities around the world hold TED Talks where individuals they're independently organized and individuals go and talk. So there's so many of them. If you just go search, there's actually an app um, on the iTunes store. You can download that. And there's so many resources there. Well, good, great quality, amazing speakers. So we'll have a list of TED Talks on minimalism that we found on YouTube that we'll have a link for that you can go check out. Again, Colin Wright speaks there, The Minimalists, and um, some more incredible people who have really been inspired by the minimalist movement. And that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to check out all our show notes. There'll be so many for this episode at livelifesimple.ca. Please give the show a rating on iTunes to help it get noticed and share the messages that we share with you with others. Until next week, keep it simple.